Welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, and hello to you, Rob. Hello to you, listener or viewer on YouTube. Rob, what's new? What's new? Ready for the Premier League again, Scott? I know we hinted at it the other day, but back to normal business now this weekend. Obviously, a big trip to Everton. Everton, who are in turmoil and in a dire need of some an, in, an injection of something positive. Uh, let's hope it's not at the expense of us. I, can you confidently say it won't be? No, <laughs> of course I can't. <laughs> of course I can't. It's like the script's written, isn't it? Man United turn up at Goodison Park. Goodison Park will be rocking and they'll be trying to make us the victims, won't they, on the day of them trying to push through and show that they're going to avoid relegation. They've had this huge 10-point deduction and let's take it out on Manchester United. So it'd be a very interesting Northwest Derby, Scott. But Rob, Eric Ten Hag has spent £500 million and therefore <laughs> Manchester United should wipe Everton just completely off the pitch. They should beat them 4-0. Wouldn't and it that's be great? how football works. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if that's how football worked? Like, if that is how football worked, then Man United would have beaten everyone over the last 10 years because they've spent £1.6 on footballers. So we know that's not how it works. And quite often the narrative or the storyline of what's happening in that week can have a huge effect on a football match. And unfortunately, we're turning up at Everton when they are very much licking their wounds. Like the Everton fans are not happy. The players are not happy. They're going to try and go out and prove a point. We'll talk about Everton towards the end of the show. Uh, brief touch on it there, but we'll talk about some some stories that are in the news because it is an international week and therefore you get stuff that drives clicks in newspapers, uh, drives sales of newspapers and clicks on websites and retweets or reposts on your Twitter app or X or what, whatever it is nowadays. You can follow us on there, by the way, at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU as well. Also get us on IG, TikTok, YouTube, etc., etc., and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts as well. Watch us on YouTube, The Promise and Imagine Tonight podcast. Like the video, leave a comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well so you never miss a show, usually running Tuesdays and Fridays. Today, as we say, we'll talk about some stuff that is in the news. Manchester United will be banned from the Champions League if Nice and Manchester United qualify because Sir Jim Ratcliffe controls everything, apparently. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has fallen out with another player because he has a divine right to start every single match that Man United play, even though he's injured 20 games a season. Uh, <laughs> Man United might lose another player to uh, international duty at AFCON, meaning that Andre Onana, Sofian Amrabat and po possibly Aaron Wan-Bissaka if he accepts his call-up uh, for Congo, Democratic Republic of, Republic of Congo, he could be out for up to Probably eight games. I don't know how long it is exactly. Some positive news. Luke Shaw is back in training. So we'll talk about where he could play if he starts. Will he go in at left centre-back or at left-back to help out Marcus Rashford, who scored one goal all season? <laughs> and we will also talk about the Everton game on the whole. So, Rob, where do you want to start? I don't know, Scott. Like, again, I think uh, our audience can hear how impassioned you are about all of those subjects of what's going on around our football club this week. That's why I'm laughing away after you reading out every one of them from today's agenda for the show. But let's go with wherever you want to go, Scott. You you pick number one and let's roll with it. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell by my tone, 
Um, but having can worked, Scott. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 just a just a little peek <clears throat> for you guys. Been working for a, a, a football media publisher, a global football media publisher, for seven years. I ran that uh, publisher or the the, the site English uh, edition of it for about five of those years, and. International breaks are a bit of a dead zone for traffic. I'll just say that, right? So you have to get a little bit creative. You have to bring things up that will cause the stir the pot, you know, that will get people to click on your website to drive traffic numbers, increase revenue due to adverts on pages, et cetera, et cetera. And now X is monetized as well. So, you know... If you tweet something, that means that Man United could be banned from the Champions League if they and Nice qualify for it. That's a good story. It drives enragement. It drives, oh my God, what is happening here? And uh, yeah, let's talk about this, Rob. Will Man United be banned from the Champions League if they and Nice both qualify for it? Nice, uh, I believe, a second in... in, in uh... In Ligue 1. So I think the story as it goes is that whoever finishes higher will get the place because Sir Jim Ratcliffe controls everything, apparently, even though it's been a year and we haven't had anything announced yet. Even though Man City own Girona, who are also in uh, the top places in uh, first, the Spanish League. I, th- I believe they're first, yeah. So mm. currently, you know, what happens there if Man City and Girona finish first? Why didn't we see Girona and Man City why didn't we see this reported when Girona went top of the league a few weeks ago? I wonder. Because I wonder it's not why. as big a story as it is with Man United. <laughs> I think that's what it is, Rob. Whack Man United on it, and it sells, doesn't it? And we've tried to talk about Especially that again in Especially if the past. it's negative. But oh, believe absolutely. me, there's some publishers out there that do that absolutely brilliantly, and people keep falling for it over and over and over and over again. And, and uh, also, Scott, like, ironically, it's not actually for Man United fans. It's actually for everyone else. So Who hates Man United? Man United. <laughs> yeah, so Man United, yeah, Man United, buy, Man United fans buy into it because it's a talking point. And yeah, like the whole Sir Jim Radcliffe thing is just running and running. Kind of said last week and the week before that this is not going to finish soon. Everyone's like, oh, announcement today. It's like, well, no, you know, they're still trying to sort stuff out. <laughs> But then you get these stories, which I, I've kind of called in the past like rogue stories, in the fact that, as you highlighted beautifully there, you know, City's involvement with G- Girona. <laughs> that's fine, Scott. You'll give credit where it's due. You know, City's involvement with Girona and multiple football clubs around the world. Like, they do own lots of football clubs. You know, I think Mr. Jim Radcliffe owns one, two or three, has involvement across Europe and, and across the world. Um but you're right, it's because it's Man United. And that's interesting to everyone who doesn't support Man United as well. You know, that's the only club that you could say this about that would get hits and clicks for. Yes, that's part of our industry. But that's why I've not really commented on this story on Twitter because it's hot air. It's a lot of hot air. And do you think that when people are buying football clubs, they don't look into this kind of stuff or they don't no, ask. So Jim Ratcliffe, one of the sec- Britain's second richest man who wants to run, who wants to eventually take over Man United, has not thought about this. So Jim Ratcliffe, who will, Never come up. When, he, when he owns his stake or when he buys his stake, whenever it's confirmed, is going to have to ask Joel Glazer for permission for everything that he does 
because that is what successful business people do. They they invest all of that money in a in a football club for no reason. Scott, uh, for Scott, no control. Sarcasm is brilliant today. He's he's on it. <laughs> he's, he's he's rocking. He's absolutely rocking. Uh, but it's also true, isn't it? What you're saying there is totally right in what you're trying to say. And that is yes, of course, these things are looked at and before anyone thinks about them. And the reason why the British tabloid press will report on a lot of that stuff is because people that hate Man United want to read it and will click it. And that's just where it is. That's been quite interesting, I think, Scott, in this whole process of um, Qatar, uh, Jim Radcliffe and all this about what Man United fans kind of want, but also what other football fans want from Man United. And of course, what do they want, Scott? They just want misery, losses, defeats. Our football club has done really well at promoting that side of the business, hasn't it? (laughs) You know, over the last 10 years, it's given all these fans that grew up absolutely hating Man United and Man United ruining their childhood. It's given them that kind of little niche now of holding on to about why they hate our football club. It starts through the press. It ends with rival fans. And unfortunately, Man United have been losing games over a long period of time and have not been as successful as we would like. So that's the root of it, Scott, isn't it? Ultimately, is that that story about Jim Radcliffe and Nice and all that. It's probably more interesting to Arsenal and Liverpool fans than it is, say, to you and me. Yeah, totally. Uh, and also, I, I mean, like, it's, it's difficult, really, because I, th- I suppose when you see a story like that, you know, you think, oh, God, that actually does make sense because mm. technically uh, in UEFA's uh, regulations, you know, if you look into the fine print, mm. it technically does say something along these lines. Yet yeah. I'm sure RB Leipzig and Salzburg who have played in the Champions League against each other, who own... A, they're literally the same brand. <laughs> literally the same team. <laughs> they, they, one team sells all their good players to the other team. All the time. Or, like, quite frequently. Yeah. And, yeah. They're both literally called Red Bull. <laughs> um, You know, and they have other clubs uh, as part of that umbrella as well. Um, You know, I'm just thinking... You know, we dug into this story ourselves, and mm. it's not like it's not a big concern, really. No, I'm sure that United will. If 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 Salzburg and Leipzig can find a way, I'm sure that United and Sir Jim Ratcliffe will be able to find a way. I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Who says United are even going to qualify for the Champions League anyway? You might not have to worry about it. Might come seventh. Like who, who knows? I tell you, let's do one more comparison. Just on the back of that, it's a little bit like say Tadebo at Nice, and people saying, "Oh, well, that's a bit bit underhand, isn't it?" You know, like if Tadebo went to Man United and like he's he, he's played for Nice and then he goes to a Jim Ratcliffe club in England, that's awful, isn't it? And yet we've literally just spent the whole week talking about Saudi Arabian footballers from the Pro League now being able to come to the Premier League because the Premier League voted it in. <laughs> so it's like, you know... You, well, they didn't even vote it in, Rob. They just voted to keep it in. Like They just voted to keep... Well, they just voted to kind of turn a blind eye. That's kind of how I described it last week. I know, week. notice how the clubs like Manchester City and Newcastle voted in favour of... Funny that. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly funny. When Ruben Amazing. Neves turns up at Newcastle because Sandro Tonali is banned for the rest of the season on January 7th or something like that on a free loan. Wow. Sheffield United with Saudi Arabian money in their coffers voted for it, even though that they have no real links 
uh, in terms of players in that ballpark. So it shows you that money talks, ownership talks. And this is why we talk about maybe states owning football clubs as not being a particularly good thing. But yes, that's going to roll and roll now because that's going to get exploited. The fact that, you know, we said Saudi Arabia owning four or five teams in the pro league, but the truth is, is they own all of them, all of them. They have money in every club in the pro league. And that means that every player that gets bought, Scott, is being bought by the Saudi government. And that means that if Saudi own 80% of Newcastle United, guess where those players might be going? So that's just how it works. And unfortunately, I think the Premier League had a chance to do something, but it's it's a numbers game, isn't it? It's that, you know, they have enough money in enough Premier League teams for them all to vote the wrong way. Yeah, um, just to wrap up this part of the show, uh, it's a, well, not even... Uh, and our, our team understand that Ineos don't exactly intend to give up Nice or Lausanne, and they're not that concerned about a conflict here. Um, no. The Red Bull example is perfect. You, you know, that. like, and th- there are ways that you can do this. Uh, Ineos have already been in contact with UEFA officials and have had assurances that there won't be any major issues. Mm-hmm. So that that big headline that you saw, you know. Just keep that in mind next time you see something sensationalized. I mean, sensationalism is is what gets all of the the clicks nowadays and all the attention. Hmm. Uh, Rob, have we ever have we ever partook in sensationalism on this? Or like, it was definitely our intention not to. Maybe sometimes we've fallen into the trap a little bit, but it was definitely our intention not to do that. There are times when you are trying to devise a thumbnail by committee. That's how we kind of do it, isn't it? You know, and we will talk about things and we will absolutely maybe lean on the news or lean on the story. But we've always been trying to be true to about whatever our content was. So we're not trying to direct you to our content to then tell you a big fat lie or to be able to tell you like, oh, we're saying this in a thumbnail but we're not actually really saying this is kind of what Marcus Rashford was talking about the other day with the fan channel, isn't it? About, you know, just blatant lies to get people to watch stuff. Um, no, it's, I just, I think that does our, our reputation as like in our, in our workplace damage. So it's difficult for us because we don't want to do that. So we just say that in by committee, we don't, we're not doing that. That's what we do, isn't it? So there are times we have to talk about stories. Like we just started off there with, with uh, with the Nice story and the Man United story and the Jim Ratcliffe thing with Champions League. But that's because that's news. So we have to kind of touch on it, but we can kind of say to you, we think it's rubbish. Right? And we've done that all along with the ownership for this last year, haven't we? We've done that with Qatar and with Ratcliffe. Try to be completely straight about it and say what we really think about those subjects. Apologies in advance for the title of this podcast being Man United will be banned from the Champions League for all of this. <laughs> uh, we won't do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll make that promise now. Like I'm sure you, you'll have seen the thumbnail now, by now, whatever it might be. But we'll go with something different. But we haven't actually decided what it is yet. So I'm going to try no, and convince Rob. the committee Rob has we, not decided. I, I'm going to try and convince Rob that that's what we should be doing for this for this podcast. <laughs> maybe, though, maybe we will be, we will be titling it Eric Ten Hag has fallen out with another first team player. More this likely. This guy is a nightmare. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Get out, manager. The Nasty next one. Eric. Get out. You're not playing the players that we have promised. That they get every single waking minute of football. <laughs> uh, you, you, you're not 
upholding your uh, your end of the bargain. You're falling out with all these players. This time, it's Rafa Varane, who, like, Rob, what do you think of this? Because obviously, it's uh, it's been brewing in the background for a few weeks. I, I, th- I mean, oh, we've heard murmurs of this ourselves. Um, and there's probably an entitlement on Varane's case to be like, why is Johnny Evans playing ahead of me? Yeah. Uh, so let, let's talk about that to start with. I, I do have something I'd like to say on it, but what 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 do you make of it? Is there meat on the bone here? And do you think Rafa Varane could be shipped out in a in a in six weeks? Even very much meat on the bone. A hundred percent here. We've heard plenty over a, a short period of time now. <clears throat> if you're Rafa Varane. And again, you won everything at Real Madrid. You won world, the World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. You probably didn't think you were going into this season as your maybe fourth choice centre-back, did you? Like, that's where it is. <clears throat> and if Lissandro Martinez was fit, he might have even been fifth. Or if Luke Shaw was fit, sixth. Like, you know, we'll do a little bit more Luke Shaw later on. I think the thing is with Rafa Varane is that it's not really about his technical ability. Not, not really. But it's very easy for a manager to just go that route and just say it's about technical ability. Now, I totally understand. We said this before that looking at the left-sided centre-back that you have to someone on the right to match them. Is there a way of making that work? Of course, that's a huge part of the, the coaching team's objective every week is to make sure that each game they have that. But if you're Rafa Varane and everyone's injured and Harry Maguire hasn't played, you know, basically since last year and Victor Lindelof is still being Victor Lindelof, you probably think you're going to play, probably. So there is that. But we do know that it's also that Varane gets injured Varane hasn't contributed in a way that, say, all of us would, I think, would want him to. And let's be honest, Scott, brutally, his form himself has not been great. So you can't say that he's been playing brilliantly and therefore he has to start. So, yes, that's the storyline in terms of where we stand at the moment. You said, do I think Rafa Varane could leave? Again, absolutely. I, I think that maybe that little honeymoon period of the Real Madrid boys is over. You know, I think Casemiro has now looked at it and gone, oh, Premier League's quite fast. Not quite sure I should be doing this. Is there a way out? I think Rafa Varane is thinking Premier League's quite fast. I'm now getting two minutes off the bench to, to in garbage time trying to close games down. I don't want to do that. There is interest from Bayern Munich, though the interest there is not particularly hot. It's not a huge thing, but we do know. Well, that was very Twitter, Rob. It was very Twitter because I, I noted it, Scott. Hot but, with the but, but, with the quotation finger marks, yeah. Hot, hot take, as 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 some of my American colleagues used to say a lot, and it's actually a thing in sport. So that wasn't a hot take because that's been talked about, and it, it it is there, but it's not that hot. Like it's more smouldering away on a fireplace in the background. It's not it's not burning. Um, but I do think we started the show off talking about Saudi Arabia, and. Saudi Arabia will have a big part in this because Manchester United will be looking at these two players and thinking, well, they're older, they've got these big wages, we made a bit of a mistake with that, oh, now how do we rectify it? That's probably the only way. We know that Saudi Arabia want those two players as well as other players at Man United. <laughs> and I think that that could happen sooner rather than later. I really do. Like, I don't think Varane is going to sit for six months on the bench if him and the manager have fallen out. It's just not, he's not going to sit there and think at this stage of his career that he just wants to contribute off the bench now and then. Um, Because it does feel like that the manager has maybe turned away from him a little bit. The manager has looked at. I have a Eric Ten Hag. We're we're speaking ahead of his uh, press conference on Friday where I'm sure he'll say something again to 
uh, diffuse the situation. Yeah, which won't won't work really because I love Rafa. Ever... Yeah, uh, he said uh, I think Top he did player. an interview in which was released earlier this week, uh, talking about Maguire and Varane. He said hmm. Maguire took his chance. We were talking about injured players. He took his chance when Rafa Varane was absent. There's mm. internal competition, which is normal in big clubs. When your chance comes, you must seize it, and the others must fight to find their place. He has said publicly that he prefers one of these players in the right centre-back position and another player in the left centre-back position. Yeah, I think people see that as an excuse, but I generally think in Ten Hag's mind that that is a legit thing. And we'll have a conversation about Luke Shaw in a bit, mm. because I think that he could... Turn, to, turn back to Luke Shaw personally at, at left centre back. You know, I think he will. If 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 when if and when he gets back in the team, he's back in training, obviously. But <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of outrage, obviously, because he's fallen out with Jaden Sancho. And wherever you think about that, um, any manager who is going to be successful has to be he has to have players on on his side, and mm. they, they have to abide by the rules. And how long and people are like demanding why isn't Varane playing why isn't Varane playing he's won Champions Leagues mm. he's on massive money all this kind of stuff that is the exact problem that Man United have had for so long in the fact and you can say this about everyone I include Marcus Rashford in this as well and I call for Marcus Rashford to not start games this season because he's not been on he's simply not been good enough for me mm. you know no player in this team should have a divine right to start a match nobody for me no. Even going back to when Ronaldo was there and we had that debate about him. If if you want to have a successful football team and you're not have miles away from that at the moment, mm. you've got to have a meritocracy and it's got to be based on putting the work in. And Harry Maguire is probably the best example at the moment. I'm not saying that Maguire is like the, the centre-back choice for the next five years, but currently, you know, if Ten Hag doesn't think that Maguire and Varane are a good pair, maybe that's just his coaching convictions. Maybe that's the way that he sees things. And... To me, I think it sums up United's issue in the fact that you have people demanding that just because Rafa Varane won the Champions League a few years ago, he should be starting every single week now when he's fit. Yeah. Because in two weeks' time, if he does start every week, he gets injured and he's out for another six. You know, like, how can you build momentum with that? Ten Hag talks often about having the same... He said this before the international break. I've not been able to play the same back four all season. Mm. You know, and he chops and changes because of injuries, this kind of thing. But people will criticize the manager because it's easy to criticize the manager, and that that's the that's the simple thing to do. That's what the that's that's the popular point. You know? Yeah, totally. There's two or three points I want to make off the back of that. So one of the things that Ten Hag said very very recently is about um, about the upscale in physicality in the Premier League this season. And and I think he's like he was obviously referring to the injuries, like 14 first team injuries, whatever you want to call it. But I do think that, that that is something that sticks in his mind about when he's now picking teams, is that he does look at maybe his more brittle options and thinks, well, do, do I rely on, say, Varane every football match when I know that maybe he cannot do it? You think about that, there's been an upscale from last season to this season in Premier League statistics for running all the combative stuff in the Premier League. You might look at your more fragile options and go, might have to play them a little bit less. Now, Rafa Varane won't like that because Rafa Varane won't want anyone telling him that he's fragile in inverted commas. But that's how managers think. And that's how the coaching team will think. They'll look at the sports science and they'll go, actually, Harry Maguire's trained really, really well behind the scenes. We like the fitness levels. We like what he's been doing. We've seen that there's a technical improvement in some of his stuff. He might just be more suited to what we're doing in this next game. 
than, say, Rafa Varane. Now, most Man United fans will not buy into that at all. I said publicly on Twitter that if Varane is fit, you should play Varane. I kind of stick by that. But I also understand why the manager doesn't think like that. I know like I'm saying that as a fan or what I would like to see. I'm not saying that because I've watched them all in training all week long. And that's much, much more important. You just mentioned Ronaldo there. And it, I, I was thinking about it just before you said it. I think that's the perfect example is that before uh, Ten Hag came to Man United, we heard almost very, very quickly from direct sources that he didn't fancy Ronaldo like before it. Yet he went through the whole charade in his pressers mm-hmm. for months of saying, Cristiano, one of the greatest players of all time. Everyone would love to work with Cristiano, blah, 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 blah. And Ten Hag does that. He's a really good statesman in those comments. Like, he's never going to burn players. Even with Jaden Sancho, where he's been very, very upset with Jaden Sancho, he's bit his lip, hasn't he? But he's tried to keep it, you know, as quite, quite as low as possible at times. With Cristiano kind of just gave Cristiano enough rope to hang himself at the end of the day. And that's what happened. He went to, uh, uh, he, he went and did the interview and that was it. Finished, gone. And he's off to Saudi. I think we're getting there really with Casemiro and with Varane is that they're not happy. And I think the manager will be saying to them, so what? This is my football club. I'm the manager. I'm not here to make you happy. You're here to make me happy. <laughs> and you know what? Exactly. But I know. Hey, okay. That's how exactly. it should be. Like, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. And that's how, you know, ultimately when you are a, a coach, you are the most per- important person at the football club and it should always be like that. And that, that means, Scott, that your neck is on the block. Like if you don't play Varane and you lose games, guess what? We're going to talk about that, aren't we? We're going to say, yeah, well, totally. Varane sat on the bench and that's a valid reason to talk about it. But, Varane doesn't deserve a, an, an automatic starting spot. Like I think, I don't think at Man United there is one player who is Mohamed Salah. Not one who could say, I have to start every week because I do this all the time. I'm not, you know, Haaland might be able to say that to Pep. But even Pep will be like, I'm resting you this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's me. I'm doing what I want to do. So, no, I'm, I'm with the manager on that. And I don't think the manager's fallen out with Varane. I think Varane doesn't like it. But that's but tough, he shouldn't isn't it? like it either. Like, why he should he? Shouldn't like it. He yeah. shouldn't like it. And and you know, Harry Maguire didn't like it last year. But Harry Maguire did the right thing. Is that he just stuck with it, got on with the training, and we said, oh, funnier things have happened in football. Harry Maguire might be your first choice centre back till the end of the season. Here we are, two, three, four weeks on from that comment. He might well be your first choice centre back all the way through to the rest of the season. I don't think that means you build on him, or he's the player that you you want to kind of base your football team around at the back. But it does mean his form is better than Varane's. If Man United are going to be successful, and like I said, they're miles away from this, you got to stop pandering to your players. You just have to. Like, yeah, you do the work and show me that you deserve to start. That should be it. When Hierarchy. Joao Cancelo was when, when Joao Cancelo was being mm. like, a bit of a pain in the ass to Pep. Out he's gone. See you later. Quickly yeah. as but well. Pep has earned that right because he's he's Definitely. managed to succeed. But when Pep was failing at Man City in his first season. I know there were signs there, but they hmm. shipped out all of the fullbacks that he they they bought fullbacks. They bought a goalkeeper in his first season. He wasn't all. doing what he wanted, so they bought another one. Sanya and cliche. He played them inverted in the first season. It was a complete disaster. Gone out the football clubs, and those were two footballers from Arsenal that had some credit in the bank. You know, people were like, oh, they're quite good, aren't they? Well, only if you're playing like a, a system with, with proper fullbacks, not if you're asking them to invert into the centre of the pitch, which in those days, Scott, was still a kind of 
relatively fresh thing. You know, people were like, well, what's Pep Guardiola doing in the Premier League with this? But you're right. I think Guardiola is a really good example. Pep Guardiola is one of the most successful managers of all time. And therefore, you can't compare either of them. He might end up, Scott, being the greatest manager of all time in the not-so-distant future. I know that that is a contentious thing to say on a Man United podcast. But I think that Guardiola... Guardiola's had everything kind of given to him. So I think that is a... That's a, a positive thing for him, like from Barcelona to Bayern Munich to Manchester City. He's been involved in organisations that have got their stuff sorted out. I nearly used a swear word then, but they've got all their stuff together, you know, in the background in terms of the football project. And that's helped him. He's never had to go to a, a smaller team. He's never had to be at an, at an Aberdeen, has he? And kind of prove himself, you know, and use the Sir Alex reference there. But that's how it is, isn't it, in football? And I think that when you look at players... The, the managers do accumulate credit in the bank, but you must always remember that it's the manager that puts his neck on a block every single week. He picks that team and and it's his choice. And I, I think all managers should have carte blanche for that. Talking about choices, Aaron Wan-Bissaka might have a choice to mm. make. <clears throat> never been, never had a look in for England. Uh, and he's been offered a chance to play at the Africa Cup of Nations uh, at the turn of the year. Not the only one. Obviously, Andre Onana's uh, situation with Cameroon is also in the spotlight at the moment. He picked mm-hmm. up an injury. I, I do believe. I think he's fine, isn't he, for, for this weekend? But Seems all right. Um, which is a <clears throat> positive. Uh, and Sofian Amrabat as well. That's another... Com- actually, a, di- a different conversation. <laughs> We've talked a lot no, about we've done that. Whatever he, has, he hasn't even done anything. So, um, <laughs> you know, it might be a good thing that he's on loan. Who knows? Uh, but what? Where do you stand on the Wambasaka uh, choice? Because I'm seeing a lot of selfish perspective. I don't know there's nothing wrong with this as a fan. Selfish perspective. Obviously, you don't want him to go because he's probably mm. a, he's the United's first choice right back at the moment. He's been injured. He's come back in and actually looked pretty good. And this would be another period of time where he's not in the first team and with your Man United hat on, that's a, that's an issue. Uh, potential problem. You have to rely on Diogo Dallo switching off at of the back post every five minutes. Again, uh, <laughs> Rick Lindelof at fullback. <coughs> uh, but wan he'd been offered this option. There's no indication whether he's going to take it or not. Mm. Uh, where, where do you sit on it? He's been offered it before as well. So it's not the first time. So this is not a new thing for him to think about. Um, with, you know, my Man United red tinted glasses on, I would first and foremost like to say I want all of our players to retire from international football tomorrow, please, because it's such a complication at club level. You know, literally they go go away, get injured, come back and we have to deal with it, don't we? And that's something that goes on forever. Um, I think with the Africa Cup of Nations that there is always that that kind of carrot there being dangled for a lot of our players who've got dual nationality that they can go and do this and have an experience in international football. Let's be honest, Scott, you know, can you blame them? Like, can you blame Aaron Wambasaka? You know, he's been in England squads in the past. He was in one England squad going back over time and, and it hasn't worked out from an international level. And we know why that is, isn't it? Especially positionally in Gareth Southgate's squad. Now I said to you before, I think he's still good enough to be in that squad, but you don't. And I actually think that most people probably don't. I think most people probably think he's not England material, so therefore, he should probably go and play in, uh, in, for uh, the country where he has uh, the chance to represent Congo and be able to do that. 
what can we say about it? I just think that the whole, I still think that it's, it's, just, it's completely shambolic that the African Cup of Nations clashes with the, with the wider football calendar as it does. People have said to me in the past, they went, well, Rob, you can't have that opinion because I say it every season. They say you can't have that opinion because UEFA doesn't help the African Cup of Nations get around that. And do you know what? That's valid, Scott. It's a bit like the World yeah, Cup last that, year. That's kind of where I sit on it. Like sure. FIFA going, oh, we're going to now have a World Cup suddenly at Christmas. Deal with it. And and it's kind of what, what AFCON say. Probably go, well, it's not our fault, is it? Like you you won't help us. So what, what are we supposed to do? This is when we schedule this tournament. So I think Varun Wamasaka, I don't want him to go. I'd rather he said no. But if he says yes, I think you have to pat him on the back and say, well, you've earned that spot. Like Man United in the last 12 months, He's earned recognition to be an international footballer, hasn't he? He doesn't need to sit at Carrington while everyone's away on an international break. He probably should be playing football at international level. I think he's good enough to do it. And and I think he'd be a bit of a sensation for them. I think he'd go to that tournament and people would look at him a little bit differently again and go, oh, that's why Anana's done it. Anana's gone, oh, actually, I like this stage. I've gone to Man United. He hasn't thought, I won't play for a month. Actually, our, our second choice goalkeeper is not doing too badly at international level, is he? So he might get the opportunity and that might be a different conversation to be had. <clears throat> yeah, for me. I mean, I, it's up to you. Like, Leave a comment uh, where you sit on this uh, Wan-Bissaka situation and leave a comment on anything we've discussed already and anything we're going to discuss uh, in the next few minutes as well. Uh, this is on Wan-Bissaka for me. I don't think he should be uh, denied this chance. I think no. it's, it's, his, it's his choice to make. And you just have to live with it, really. Um, good luck to him. Uh, yeah, good luck to him. If, if he wants to take it, if he doesn't want to take it, fine. You mm. know, uh, no problem with that either. But uh, we will wait and see. The co- the the tournament staged by uh, Ivory Coast runs from January 13th to February 11th. No guarantee that obviously he'll be away for that long. It depends on uh, when the team are eliminated, if he does go at all. Uh, but there's obviously a contract situation, Wambasaka as well. Like, yeah. I think he's out of contract end of this season and much, United yep. do have an option to extend it but there's obviously the, the I know he's been one of those players that has actually shown improvement mm. but going back to the conversation we had the other day which we've got a lot of stick for actually in terms of uh selling players or offloading players when you have the chance a certain player we're not, we're not talking about money specifically here but for me if Whoever is the whoever the manager is, whoever the sporting director is, if they decide that Aaron Wambasaka is not good enough, and they decide to take a hit on him or offload him, as long as they got a plan and they buy a certain profile of player moving forward, I mean, like that, that's a that's an entirely different conversation. Uh, but and that's what they'll do. That's exactly. I think with the year with the year trigger is that they'll give him that. But they are negotiating already, so there, there is this feeling that within Manchester United that they really like what he's done in the last year. And I think Ten Hag sees him as someone who is more reliable. Scott, like we just talked about Varane and you know breaking down. We know that Wambasaka does give you physicality. Does does fight now? I think a little bit better than he used to do in terms of his intelligence around the ball, and he does invert and does get on the outside. So he's kind of doing what the manager wants him to do, and of course the reward for that will be a contract. But it happened with Delo, isn't it? Delo a year ago got his contract, and I was kind of going, "Oh, I don't like this. I don't, you know, I don't trust Delo." And yet six months on, we're now kind of back on that. Oh, well, is Delo good enough? Tip might be the same for Aaron Wambasaka. Yeah, we'll um we'll wait to see how that one develops. Some good news though. Yay. We'll look ahead to the Everton game. 
uh, and start the conversation with Luke Shaw, who is back in training. He's been back in training, I think, for a couple of weeks. Um, three weeks. But obviously, pictures have been released of Luke Shaw running and mm. doing training things. Uh, obviously, has a massive boost because I think Luke Shaw's absence has been pretty noticeable. I'm not even saying Luke Shaw, when he was fit, was perfect. But we know that he can be one of United's most effective players. We know that last season, when United didn't have a left centre-back option, Luke Shaw was moved in to left centre-back. And we talked earlier in the show about why Maguire and Varane don't play together. It's probably because Luke Shaw... No, it's probably because like Luke Shaw's left-footed is, is very reductionist, but left-footed... Lisandro Martinez is left-footed. Tenog's talk about the passing angles and this kind of thing with a left-footed centre-back at left centre-back as mm -hmm. opposed to a right-footed centre-back at left centre-back. And uh, to me, I'm, I'm looking at Sean now and I'm thinking, obviously the def the default thought there is that he goes to left-back and can his overlapping is pretty strong. It might help Marcus Rashford uh, find a little bit more space, mm. this kind of thing. But do you think it's out of the question, Rob, that he is returning to LCB as a as as they put it on games nowadays? Because I think Johnny Evans, I, I knew the latest on his injury actually. But um, we'll, we'll hear weeks. from yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear um from Ten Hag uh, yeah. later later today with recording, as I say, before his press conference. But Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, do you think that's the centre back axis that we could be seeing? Potentially, and it could even be Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof because we know the manager likes that pairing. So, again, this is all about pairings. We've talked about Varane at the start of the show. I think with Luke Shaw, like you said, it's reductionist about left-footed side, you know, playing that side of the of the park. We absolutely know that Dutch coaches are obsessed with that. They're absolutely obsessed with the passing angle from the, the left centre-back to the left-back or even into the left channel further up the pitch because you're supposed to be able to put the ball on the outside and look up and be able to clip that ball into the wing area or even into a centre forward running off the back of a, of a, of a forward if, if there is a, a much higher line. So Luke Shaw absolutely can do that, can't he? We saw earlier in the season that Johnny Evans made that fantastic pass from left centre-back, didn't he, over the top to Bruno Fernandes that Bruno volleyed and, and finished beautifully. That's why you put someone who is technically can do that in that part of the park. So I think that Luke Shaw might come back and go straight in at left centre-back. I, I don't think it's ideal. I think two things is that at the start of the season, when we saw them in pre-season and going through to when Luke Shaw obviously got the injury, Luke Shaw's form hadn't been its best. And that was because he was carrying injuries. And when he carries injuries, his form does evaporate. A bit like Rashford in many ways. You know, when they're carrying stuff, they're just never as good as they, they are when they're fully fit. The good thing is we've seen Luke Shaw in these training pictures, to me, is that he looks pretty solid and fit already. Like, he actually, you could just see with Luke Shaw, looks a bit buff. He's been working out. He's been making sure that he's fit and ready to play. So I think that if you need a physical presence there who's got some speed and some pace at left centre-back, He's probably your best choice, isn't he? Like as I as think he stand, actually is. As we stand yeah. today, the other point I wanted to make from last yeah. season is that when he filled in for Lissandro Martinez, he did it really well. But we really suffered at left back. Like when he wasn't at left back driving the ball when it was Malassia, and there were games when Malassia played left back, Scott, and lost us the game because he made one or two or three or silly errors didn't cover himself in glory, didn't cover Shaw's movement forward when he's progressing the ball. 
there were issues there. So I don't think it's a, a kind of perfect tactic. But I do what, think what do you, Regulon's now in the mix, right? I just want Regulon to go back to Spurs, like quickly. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I think the thing is again, what, what, what's my catchphrase, Scott? I say every year is that, oh, you know, if, if, if a player can't help you, then just get rid of them. Like, just go, you know. And I look at Regulon, and yes, he's a left back by trade. <laughs> That's what it says on his passport, left back footballer. You know, Sergio Regulon. But there's a reason why Tottenham didn't want him. Now, can Sergio Regulon give you good minutes at left back? Of course, he can. Do I want him to play left back? Absolutely not. Ever. Not at all. So, like, you but just have said, you not seen the Regulon runs a lot, gives a lot of effort, and he does. Therefore, Man United should sign him permanently, uh, crew. Of course, I have. And, and of course, he runs a lot. But do you know what he doesn't crucially do, Scott? He doesn't run back enough. Absolutely not. There was that game where he got pulled at half time. I think it was in, was it in the Champions League or whatever? Was he, he ill played? that night? He was, he was ill. Poor boy. He was ill. I don't care. It, it is hard to run when you're He shouldn't Ill. start then. Like, if you're not ready to run, <laughs> like, that, that, you can't blame him not running at Spurs for two years on him being ill. Like, it's, it, it's just the same thing. It's what I've observed at his former clubs. It's the reason why Real Madrid wanted him out the door going back over time. So, I'm not trying to make a, a hit at Sergio Regulon. I actually think he's done all right in his minutes from Man United. It's just that, do I trust him? No, I trust him as much as I trust Delo or Lindelof or players that I've spoken about in the past at Man United. It's the same kind of problem for me. And if he's on loan, yeah, please don't make that permanent. Like you just mentioned Amrabat. And I think the Amrabat thing is quite interesting because we needed a number six, didn't we? And now our number six isn't in the team because he's injured the Brazilian guy yeah he's not in your team and uh and you're still not playing Amrabat at number six so it's quite interesting itself and you just said that he's on loan that isn't getting completed is it <laughs> you know and I still think that Amrabat could be a big part of the season I really do I did that video the Amrabat solution I don't think he's been nearly as bad as some Man United fans have said like he's definitely not been the worst for me and it just means that I think the style of player is is not what you maybe need but I think Regulon no do you know what let Regulon go, even maybe let Malassia go, even then let Delo or Lindelof go. So, so what do you do if you play Luke Shaw at left centre-back? Dallo? You, you pr- I would probably say instinctually, if everyone is fit, Dallo because Wan-Bissaka at right-back. And I actually think in that back line now, it's so weird how time changes, isn't it? Because I cr- criticised Aaron Wan-Bissaka so many times in the past about some of his things positionally. It's kind of the first choice for me in that whole back four. It's like, right, it's one second at right back and let's work it all the way back across. And now Luke Shaw's back. Probably Luke Shaw is the first choice. So I think that that, that Shaw, um, Wamasaka definitely have to start. And then you're thinking, right, Maguire, Lindelof, Ferran, somewhere in that mix. And do I really even want to say Regulon at left back? No, Regulon on the bench maybe because he can give you that, that wing back function but you know I don't really play the wing back function do they it's not what they do so uh, Delo Delo I think has been better on the left side this year than on the right he's a right-sided guy that's what it says on his passport right back I think it's been poor passports well in football passports this is this is my imaginary world where you put your position on there as well so I think that that Delo playing right back where he's supposedly a right back I don't think he's played very well but other people have said he's been all right and I'm like well I don't know he's been better for me at left back and he can do that he can invert onto his right foot come into the center of the park I think he's comfortable there Regulon can't do that can he is he Regulon invert no not happening he's a wide boy 
He wants to go on the outside. And he can cross the ball, but if you're only crossing the ball into one centre-forward, Scott, and everyone else doesn't get that, not in your team because no one's crossed the ball for six years or something, that's that's a difficult thing then for a tactic to kind of produce, you know, end result. Football's back this week, well, this weekend, Sunday. United play Everton away. they got a hard run of games coming up, actually. I think they've got three, mm. three away. Is it Everton... Galatasaray, Newcastle. Crunch games in many ways. Mm. United's uh, form on the road is not exactly inspiring, is it? Uh, United have shown in Copenhagen that they can't really deal with uh, atmosphere. United have shown in other away matches against teams with potentially even slightly stirring atmospheres. Uh, that they they don't do all that well. Although, always phones going off again. Sorry, that's right. It's Friday. Um, what was I going to say? You know, atmospheres, atmospheres. This kind of thing is a is a challenge for them. Everton's atmosphere is going to be pretty pumping because they are uh, points deduction <sighs> FC so pumping. And although I will. I, this is what I want to say. Man United are the form team in the Premier League. We are. Four wins in their last five. So is this the beginning of the uh, the ascension to second or third place in the Premier League and therefore banned, <laughs> ba- banning from the UEFA Champions League come the end of the season? What if we win the title, Scott? And then, like, Nice win the title. That's, like, that's a conversation. Ban them both. I think they should both be banned. So much sarcasm in our show today. But can you imagine that, Man United win the title? I love sarcasm. Nice win the title. Then we get drawn in the same group next year in the Champions League. And 5,000 yards of column inches get written about how Sir Jim Ratcliffe controls football or something. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Look, do you know, right, I'll put this scenario to you. Go on. Um, right. Uh, this is this is a. I, I'm not considering Arsenal here. But maybe I'll say Arsenal draw at Brentford. Man mm. City and Liverpool draw. A Man United win. Could do. Yeah, that could. They happen. are then what? Five points off the top of the league. Mm. Considering how much of a car crash this season has been, you know. And because Luke it's, Shaw's uh, back. Yeah, think... Luke Shaw's back. That's it. Title run. <laughs> I'm sure everybody uh we are we are speaking in in the theme of today's show that is sarcasm. But like I, I think that what I'm trying to stress there is you can watch United and like want to tear your hair out and gouge your eyes out. Mm. But in the grand scheme of things, they ain't too far away. So if they can start to turn things around and get an idea of what they're doing, they're in the mix. They're still in the mix and you know, I'm not saying by any means that United are going to challenge or anything like that. But just looking at the numbers and looking at the points, they have only scored 13 goals in 12 games. So that might be a nice place to start. And how how are you in the mix by scoring 13 goals in 12 games? Like it's it's a miracle that United are technically in the mix, and we are in the mix, aren't we? So I think that's you know they say the table doesn't lie, and the table doesn't lie not at this stage anyway. And we're all in that situation here where we want Man United to play better. But 
as you you recover players from injury, there is always that little incremental point, isn't there, Scott, that you just get a little bit better and you just get back to where you want to be. It's just like that last season. There's there's very little difference between Man United's start last year to this year and kind of the feeling as well. Like I think we all felt in those early parts of the season last year that it felt like a disaster and about to burn away and we were in trouble. It's felt like that this year. We didn't want that deja vu feeling. But I do also think that that you're all right. You're in a, a not bad position as long as you do push on. You just mentioned those three games there, Scott. Truth is, you've got to win them. And Chelsea on the horizon after that as well. Exactly. You've got, you've got to go into these games. And that's why, you know, we said about Ten Hag at the start with his press conferences. says the same thing. What does Eric Ten Hag say when they say, oh, it's an important game coming up? He, he goes to his little notebook and he reads out, well, every game is important. And at Man United, we have to win every game. And he says that every single week. It's like pointless asking him that question. But he's right. That is the way it is. And I, and I think that going into this this part of the season, it is crucial now, Scott. I will say the run-up to Christmas sets you up. Where you are on Christmas Day in the table is where the rest of the season pans out from. You can look at it from there and say, right, are we title challengers? Are we, are we Champions League top four challengers? Where do we position ourselves? I think last year at Man United, we were all shocked at the World Cup, weren't we? That United had kind of got back in the top four conversation when we were looking at it and going, well, are we even good enough? Like, you know, what's where are we? You know, I think last year he built his success around his two centre-backs. So that's something to, to think about. I think they played really well. I think David De Gea actually also's form improved around that period. So those three kept you afloat. Is that happening now? I'm not so sure. I think you're figuring out new problems with some of the same old stock. Do you get what I'm saying? So Luke Shaw coming back, though, Scott, is a massive part of that. Like if he comes back, plays really well at left centre-back, Harry Maguire's form continues at right centre-back, I think Anana's form has improved. I don't Anana's know what you think, been, Scott. Yeah, he's been, he's been all right. Loads it's better, hasn't he? He really has got, he's got better and, and looks more comfortable in his own skin and what he's doing in our goal rather than us saying, oh, yeah, he's he, he's a he's a sweeper keeper, but my God, he's not a good goalkeeper. He can't use his hands. Well, I think he's saved United plenty of points already this season with two or three crucial saves in really big games. Yeah, so United play Everton. They're embarking on a a difficult run of games, mm. but but they're all difficult. It's, it's hard to it's you can't just say clean slate because there's so many things hanging over United oh. at the minute in terms of. Uh, unhappy players and the ownership still isn't resolved yeah. we have got we've passed the year anniversary of uh strategic alternatives now maybe there'll be an announcement hopefully next week and we can start to you know plan maybe. ahead maybe but no, this thing's happening in the background anyway <clears throat> but this is not there's so many issues to fix that this is not a quick fix but what what united have to do is just try and build and if they can start scoring goals and taking some of their chances you know it will really really help uh because they will get watch them get an early chance at everton and miss it <laughs> you know there's a there's a basketball analogy about making sure you get good shots even if you don't score right and i think mm. with man united the, the stats kind of suggest that united have had enough creativity to score more goals like i don't think the creativity has been fantastic but they have had opportunities. But I think it's fair to say that our forwards have missed those opportunities. And there's been all sorts going on, Scott, as well in the background. Also, we know like the issue with Anthony on the right-hand side and you know his, his involvement in the team. And I think when you look at the equilibrium from last year, stuff that worked, Marcus Rashford's form is probably the key point in that. 
because Marcus Rashford last year could do no wrong and this year can do no right. His form is absolutely garbage. So you have to look at it like that and kind of look at those things and think, right, okay, if you can get Rashford scoring again, get more harmony on the front line, get Hoyland more chances, Hoyland's proved that if you get him tappings, he'll probably score. So you need to you need to function that way. If United start scoring more goals, Scott, and are just steady at the back, you will win 85% of your games over the next three, four, five months. You just will, but it's on you. It's up to you to be able to make that happen. Luke Shaw is a massive part of that. People have said if Luke Shaw comes back, plays left back, that that will instantaneously improve Rashford. Now, I'm not sure about that, but I do think that's a better pairing. I do think that Shaw overlapping Rashford gives Rashford that extra second to come in on the right foot and gives him extra space. So if you can manufacture that, Scott, in the weeks ahead and that becomes a tactic and you go back to it, we know it's worked in the past. We'll see how it goes. Everton play Manchester United on Sunday and then we enter no international break for four months. So it is fully club football mindset. And Yay. let's just hope United can stop doing the meltdown stuff that makes everyone despair and curse mm. every time they step on a football pitch. Uh, it's never that easy, though, is it? It'd be nice anyway. to go to Everton and make a statement. You know, like Everton have had a bad week or so. Yeah, go there and rub salt in their wounds. You know, go there and say, well, we're better than you. So we're going to show that. But I do think Everton themselves have played much better football in the last few weeks. And, and again, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back in the mix, isn't he? And I think that that's a, that's a thing for them. I can't say with any confidence that United will go and win this game. But fingers crossed, eh? You know, uh, let, let's see how it goes. Uh, we'll wrap it there, I think. Any final thoughts, Rob? No, just glad the Premier League is back. And it really is up to the players to prove themselves. I'm not interested in players that are not happy, Scott, like just said about Varane. I don't care who's unhappy. You know, this is a squad game. You've got to get your team right. And the manager has to pick the right team. As we said, if you lose games, then we will question selections because that's what we do and that's what we have to do. But I'm with Eric Ten Hag on it. Pick the team that you think is going to win the game. And I think he does it every week. I don't think he ever picks a team that he thinks might not win the game. He's convinced every week that the players he put out there are, are committed and are willing to to run through brick walls for him. Maybe he just thinks that Rafa Varane isn't. From Scott and Rob, this has been The Promised Land. Subscribe wherever you get your pods, and watch us on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell so you never miss a show, and follow us on social media as we unpack whatever's going to happen over the next few days. At double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, and TikTok. I need to... I need to do more on there, really, because that's what... The, you need to do more for the show on there, Scott, Like, because, yeah. you know, obviously I'm so enamoured about doing TikTok, not. So, you know, you need to carry the load there. Like, you, you need to be my Maguire while I'm your Varane. So you need to do that for our, our TikTok content for the show. Yeah, I did, I did do one a few weeks ago, and it, it did pretty well, actually. 40,000 views, 41,000 views. Uh, just a, a bit on the glazers. Will they ever sell? And yes, we're still <laughs> we're still in that in that moment. Anyway, uh, also, I said TikTok, didn't I? At mm. underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at Promise Sand on X or Twitter as well. And that's it. We'll be back soon uh, to unpack whatever's happening. And uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Hopefully Man United can make it not worse uh it's thanksgiving weekend for any american listeners uh happy thanksgiving etc etc uh and yeah see you soon everyone for another promise and maybe we'll keep up this level of sarcasm for future shows because i quite enjoyed it
But anyway, thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening or watching, everyone. See you soon. This has been the Promised Land Podcast. See you soon.